Hey, listen, um, I'm excited that all you got. Today is probably one of, it's like, it's probably not like my favorite day. You know, every year we do this series, I always end with answering every question that was turned in that we hadn't answered in the previous weeks, right? So it's always fun. It's real fast paced. And so up front, in front of everybody, I'm going to apologize to the people in the booth because there's like 80 slides. Well, actually, 80, 89 slides. How many is it? 78. 78 slides. So um, her finger's going to hurt pushing the space bar here in a minute. All right? So I apologize for that. But hey, I love this series because sometimes as, um, as a pastor, sometimes we think we know what we needed to say to you. And sometimes it's time for us to listen to what you guys need to hear from us. You know what I'm saying? So that's why the last three weeks have been, like, I don't know if the last, really, I think all the questions, we, the three questions that we've answered the last three weeks have really just been for me. You with me? Because, I mean, it seems like every question that was turned in, it was something that I, that I was facing myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, like week one, we answered the question. Week one, we answered the question, what happens to those who have never heard the gospel? And we said that in answering that is that we serve a God who knows us and wants to be known by us. And here's the great thing about that is that we serve a God who's not distant. He's not some distant God who just, who just, he just throws us out there. No, he, like he wants to have an intimate relationship with somebody like me, with a rebel like me. Remember? Because we said none of us, no matter if you're born on an island or if you're born here in the east on a church pew singing Amazing Grace at your first day, it doesn't matter. We're all born rebels to God, but we have a God who, even though we are rebels, knows us. He knows us by name, even though he knows our sin, Right? And he wants us to know him. So we have a call to go to those who are rebels, just like we were. And then week two, we answered the question. This is a good one. We answered the question, if I am loved, why do I suffer flashbacks and PTSD from my past? Anybody else suffer from things you've done in your past? Oh, Lord, I know. Maybe it's, not, maybe it's not something that you've done. Maybe it's something that you've done yourself, but maybe it's something that's done to you. You with me? And what we said was is that Jesus is in the business of redeeming the mistakes that we've made. And even, we can even say redeeming the things that were done to us. Because remember what we said was redeeming oftentimes gets translated that R-E-D-E-E-M. That was a weird looking word, y'all. But um, that word does mean oftentimes to buy back or to pay for, right? But it also means to repurpose. So he takes our mistakes and he repurposes it like an old piece of furniture, like we had this cabinet that we're trying to sell for $200 on Facebook yard sale, y'all. It's old school. But it, it, was, it was repurposed. It was painted over. It looks really nice. So if you want it and you have 200 bucks, I'm just kidding. We didn't mean it. If you want it, we'll sell it to you. But, but, it's, but it's kind of like that. He, re, he takes our mistakes and he repurposes it. He changes it. He, he molds it into something for his glory. That those mistakes that you made or those things that were done for you, he's going to redeem those. He's going to repurpose those so that you can live a full and abundant life because that's what he wants. See, the enemy tries to give us these false narratives, right? These false narratives that, like, you will always be that that you've done. That's, that's who you are. That's, you're nothing more. And Jesus is over here going, don't listen to him. He's, just, he's, he's nothing but a liar. If you come over here, I'll take those mistakes. Yeah, you'll, you'll, still, ha you'll still struggle with those because that's part of the flesh, but I will take that and I will mold it into something beautiful. Like the song we just sang, Broken Vessels. Because here's the thing about, if you ever, if you ever glued a vase back together, you still can see the cracks in it, but it's still a beautiful vase, right? Especially if you put a light in the inside of it and the light shines through those cracks, y'all. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I got to hurry because we got a lot of questions to answer. 
Week three, week three, we answered the question. We answered, the, we answered this question, and this is a good one because I think we all fall into this category sometimes. Why don't I see God moving in my life? And what, and, and, and what we said was that just because our call is delayed doesn't mean it's denied because oftentimes God calls us and calls us in private in those quiet moments where nobody is like, God's called me to sing. I need to get up on that stage and sing there. You're probably right, but let's take some time. If you want to sing, I can let you sing. I don't be deal. Okay, but you get what I'm saying. He calls us sometimes in private, so because because this is a process. Like if you if you went straight from calling to stage, sometimes it would be it would it would ruin you as a person. So God knows. Hey, just because you know that that promise is there, that that dream is there, that call is there, just because you find yourself way over here off track, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that God's not with you, that God's not moving. No, He's doing something in you. Sometimes in those silent, still moments, God is saying, God is moving the biggest. Just because your call and your promise seems delayed doesn't mean it's denied. Just keep seeking God. So that's what we did the last three weeks. All right? And this, and I'm going to say this, this, this morning is going to be different. If, if, you, if, you haven't, if you weren't here, been here since we've done these series, types of series in the past, today's going to be a little bit different for this disclaimer. Um, we're going to answer all, of, all the rest of the questions that were turned in to us, and I, will, I just want to put this disclaimer in there, except for the ones on the Holy Spirit. And here's why. Starting next week, we were already doing a series called Firestarter about the Holy Spirit. So those questions, those four or five questions that were turned in about the Holy Spirit, those will be answered over the next few weeks. So don't be like, Dak, you didn't answer my question. <laughs> Calm down, okay? Enough crazy going on. I will answer those in the next few weeks when we start our series called Firestarter. And I'm excited about that, y'all. I'm excited about that, okay? Um, but so today... We're going to answer the questions shotgun style. So if you're taking notes and you're like writing the titles down, today is just called shotgun, okay? Um, and it's on, I about made an NRA joke, but that probably wouldn't have been appropriate. Um, sorry. Um, but it's a big shotgun style. And so if you're here as a guest, please come back next week for your regularly scheduled shift church service. All right? So today's, but today's going to be awesome. So I thought we would start off with a fun one. Last time we talked about aliens, all right? Somebody turned in an alien question. This time we're answering this question, starting out just to give us a little laugh. Are there unicorns in the Bible? It depends. Okay. But here's, 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 what, here's what we have to understand first, okay? First thing is that we have to understand, saying, lo, understand and logically think about is that all mythical images are based on some sort of reality. You with me? Based on some sort of reality. And so and this reality is that it's, it's, it's this idea you have to look really closely. And, and there's a Hebrew word. I'll put the slide up here. There's a Hebrew word called reim, which means single horn. You're like, you're, you're going way too deep into this unicorn thing. Okay? There's a Hebrew word called reim, which means single horn. And then translated into Greek is monikers. That's how I'm going to say it. I don't know how the Greek spoke. Okay? Which means one horn. Okay, and so when the Catholic Church, when um, the Catholic Church went to uh, put, uh, decided, hey, you know what, we're going to put um, our Bible in a certain writing, they, they chose Latin, they chose, and that's why we have, the Catholic Church uses the Latin Vulgate as their scripture, um, and so when they translated those two words into the Latin Vulgate, um, it came out as unicornis, or as we know it, unicorn, okay, um, which is interesting, you're like, Derek, that doesn't answer the question, is unicorns in the Bible? Well, what happens is, um, 
there was, a, there was kind of a split going on between the Roman Catholic Church and Orthodox Christianity, and um, there was this new king that arrived on the scene. His name was King James. Hence, we get the Bible version, King James version. And so what happened was to get in good with the common people, what, and this, I'm, 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 for all those 1611 only people, let me just say this, the King James is a great translation. Say, don't, don't like shoot me or send me emails. If you want to send me an email, send it to Justin McCarter at, okay, um, with, good with the commonox.org, okay. Um, but um, to get in kind of good with, good with the common people, what King James did, did was use the Latin Vulgate, the Latin Bible, and translated it into 1611 English, okay? And so let me just say, let me just say this unless I know. If you, have, if you have a King James version of Bible today, it's probably not really the 1611 version. It's an updated version just so you're, just so, because if, if we had the 1611 with us today, we probably really couldn't read it because the way, but that's the whole side point. But so, that's a tangent. This is why I love Days like this. So Latin Vulgate into the King James. So the King James used mainly um, the Latin, but mainly in translating into English, okay? The little bit of the Greek and Hebrew, but mainly the Latin Vulgate, okay? And so when the King James was written from that, um, the, he, they translated this word into unicorn, okay, from the Latin Vulgate. And to give you an example, here's one of the many verses that mentions unicorns. Um, in Job 39.10, our boy Job said, Canst thou bind the unicorn with his hand in the furrow, or will he harrow the valleys after thee? So, technically, unicorns are in the Bible. Okay? But here's the deal. It's probably not the white horse with the one horn and rainbows coming out their butt. Okay? Because um, if, you, if, you if you look... It's already to disappoint whoever turned in this question. Because um, if you look at most modern translations, like specifically, you know, like Job 39.10 here, the word they translate into unicorn is, um, is wild ox or wild beast with one horn. You know what I'm saying? So, but to make it easier, it's just, hey, let's call it a unicorn because it's one horned or one corned horned. You know what I'm saying? So, sorry that it's not probably not a white horse with... Rainbow's coming out the butt. Okay? Y'all ready for the next one? Was that fun enough? Okay, this, this is where it starts to get a little bit more, little bit more serious. Okay, here we go. The next question is this. Why did God throw Satan out of heaven? Ooh, it's a good one. Okay? It's a great one. Um, so first we have to understand who Satan was to begin with. Okay? Satan was a created being, and the Bible says he was the most beautiful angel ever created. And he had one job. Anybody know what that job was? To sing to Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I should have drank that Monster Energy drink this morning. Um, so he, his job was to, he, basically he was the worship leader of heaven. And so what, what had happened was, would be was the angels would come to Satan and go, hey, I, I want you to sing these lyrics to, lyrics to God. And, and, God. and he would go to God and sing those. One, one day he, he got really proud. Because the Bible says he was like the, almost like the most beautiful angel ever created. He started getting prideful. And wanted that worship to himself. You with me? And, and, we, and also, we'll talk about it here in a second. But any created being can't stand, can't come stand under the weight of what worship really is. That's why you have celebrities that fail all the time, musicians that fail all the time. That's why you have pastors that fail all the time. That's why we as people fail all the time. Because once we start getting praise, when when people start talking about how good your hair looks too much, 
You know, just kidding. When, you know, when we fall under that, under that weight, we crumble because we can't handle that pressure. We can't, because if we, like, let me say this. You are not God, and neither am I, and we can't handle that. But to, to keep answering this question, that there's, two, there's two parts of Scripture that I want to look at. In Ezekiel 28, 12, it starts off by saying, Son of man, sing the funeral song for the king of Tyre. Now, this king of Tyre is another way of saying Satan or Lucifer. Okay? Um, Son of man, sing the funeral song for King Tyre. Give him the message from the sovereign Lord. You are the model of perfection. Does that sound like somebody? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were you are in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. Red, carnelian. There's some of these words I ain't going to be able to pronounce, y'all. Okay? So just don't laugh at me too much. Okay? Every precious stone. Red, carnelian. Pale green, peridot. White. Thank you. Um, white moonstone. Blue, green, beryl. Onyx. Green, jasper, blue, whatever, lazuli. Okay? turquoise and emerald all beautiful crafted for you and set in the finest of gold who would love to have that wedding ring it, of course my wife is the one that says me okay. they were given to you on the day you were created so that remember satan was a created being verse 14 i ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian you had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence. What, the, what he's saying was he, the, the commerce, that giving of worship you wanted for yourself. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in, the, in, in, banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride. See, that's why we as humans can't handle worship. Because we're prideful, beat people. Pride is really the root of all sin, right? So when we, so when we start seeking praise and seeking worship from people... What we're doing is building up our pride, and that pride will eventually break because you can't hold up under the pressure. Satan couldn't hold up under the pressure. Okay? Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupt by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Okay, and then here's the second passage in Isaiah 40. This is the most popular one. Isaiah 14, 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star. Son of the morning, you have been thrown down to the earth, you, you who were destroyed, who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's star. I will preside on the mountain of God's far, God's far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to the lowest. Let me just say, let me just interject this here. Isn't it some, funny sometimes how when we start getting full of ourselves, God knocks us to our knees to get us humble again? That's because he doesn't want us to be in the same place Satan is, our enemy. That's why he, Satan gives you those false narratives. Because you're doing exactly once what he used to do, what he used to be able to do and he can't do anymore. That was to take the praise away from himself and give it to the one who created everyone. That's why he's mad at you. Because he can't worship no more. Because when he got thrown to earth, into the dust, I remember one pastor say it this way, where, where did all that stuff land? 
and the dust. What were you created out of? The dust. So you now have what he used to have. That's why he hates you so much. That's why he wants you to get the worship. So it, those, the worship will then not come from you, but then to you. And then you'll be, it, anyway, I'm going to keep going. Instead, you will brought down to the place of the dead, down to the lowest depths. Verse 16, everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one that destroyed the world? And made, made it into to a wasteland. Is this the king who, de, king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had mercy, on, and had mercy on, on his prisoners? Had no mercy on his prisoners. So the reason that he was cast out of heaven was because he, he was a created being was trying to make himself higher than the God who created him. With me? Does that answer your question you ever asked that? All right. Here's the next one. Why did God, and this, this is a cool one. This is one of my, this is a cool one. Why did God take Enoch and Elijah to heaven without them dying? And this is a really good question, especially if you want to talk about, um, you know, uh, kind of like is the compatibility of different scripture. Or this is a good question if you want to talk about, you know, um, can the Bible be trusted? Is it totally true or is there misrepresentation? In, because in Hebrews, here's why I say this. Hebrews says, and just as one person is destined to die once, and after that comes just, just you may have, if you grew up in church, you may have heard it said, said, that verse said this way, and it's appointed to man once to die, and then the judgment, right? If you've been to a funeral, you've probably heard that, okay? So Enoch and Elijah going to heaven without dying is a, is, contradicts Hebrews 9.27, correct? Because they went to heaven without what? dying so let's let's look at these two passages real quick show you what i mean after the birth of methuselah and i don't look up methuselah y'all he was like the oldest dude in the yeah oh, he, he's old okay um after the birth of methuselah enoch lived close in close fellowship or some versions say in close faith with god for another 300 years he had other sons and daughters enoch lived 365 years y'all I don't know if I want to even think about living that long, especially in the world we're living in. Woo! Walking in, walking in close fellowship or walking in great faith with God, the one day he disappeared because God took him. Okay? And then let's look at this next one. Verse 11 of 2 Kings 2.11, it says, As they were walking along and, taking and, and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. In verse 12, Elisha, the old young Elisha, saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. As they disappeared from sight, and Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Then I was giving the measuring stick, and I was told, Go and, oh wait, I started reading on. That's, I, go back, go back, go back. Don't, don't let them see that yet. No, let's see that. Yeah, go. Oh, yeah, you're good. Okay. You actually you go up one more. I forgot. I, you go, you go. All right, there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Tell her she's going to kill me later. Okay. Here's the thing. The reason that Enoch and Elijah were taken into heaven first was because of their great faith. And because of their great faith, they have a job to do in the future. You with me? Okay. You're, Derek, you're going, you're, that's weird. What do you mean? They're gone in heaven. What do you mean the future? And here's the deal. And here's what I'm, I'm going to read it to you. There's two things I want to... Well, let me make sure. Yeah, just maybe one thing. One thing that I want to read to you um, and, and to show you this in Revelations 11. Okay? 
Yeah, good. It's just Revelation 11 right here. Good. Scared. Okay, it says this. Then, I, then this is John, who's on the island, on the island as a prisoner. He's called up to heaven, and God gives him revelation. And revelation is an, is a, a apocalyptic writing, which means it tells of future stuff, future danger, future. You can think of this future warning for the people who follow God. Okay, and it says this in Revelation 11:1. 1. Then I was giving a measuring stick, this is John, and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. Okay, verse 2, it says, but do not measure the outer courtyard for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months. Leave it right here. Here's the thing that you have to understand. Okay, at, at some point in history, whether it be tomorrow or hundreds of years from now, we don't know yet. I think it's closer than well, be, way before, okay? Um, closer now even than I just said that okay um Jesus is going to return and take his church home okay and then there this is what I believe okay and and this is what I believe to be scripturally true and so this will make so this helps you make sense okay after the church is raptured there's going to be seven years of tribulation okay seven years where um and there's all sorts of beliefs on this but this is what I believe okay especially with in regard to what I'm well, read. Okay, the first three and a half years is going to be bad, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be bearable. The last 42 months, last three and a half years is going to be terrible. Okay, it's going to be terrible. Okay, and during this time, well, you'll see here in a minute. So the church is raptured away. It's been three and a half years. A new king or an antichrist has now taken place as taking worship from God. Okay, um, and then. The, he's, here's a crazy, crazy, just so you kind of get this story. It's really interesting if you read, read, want to read into it, is that this Antichrist, this false Jesus, actually dies and raises from the dead. Okay? The spirit of Satan comes in him, raises him from the dead, and people begin to worship him. And when they begin to worship him this sec, last three and a half years, this is where this, this last 42 months is talking about, just so you're aware. But do not measure the other outer courts, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months. That's three and a half years. Okay, verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during the 1,260 days. Verse 4 says, Those two prophets are the two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. And here's a crazy thing. If you look at the ministry of Elijah and Enoch, okay, you, they were often compared to olive trees and lampstands. Okay? But there's something else that they compare this to. Okay? Um, lampstands before the Lord of the earth. Verse 5 says, If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths. That'd be cool to watch. And consume their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. In verse 6, was power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. What does that sound like? The prophet Elijah. When he, remember when we prophets of Baal, the reason that he fought the prophets of Baal because they hadn't rained and they were mad. And, okay, because he had the power to shut off the rain. Okay, cool party trick. Okay. They fall for as long as as long as they prophesy, and they and they have the power to turn rivers and oceans into blood. Who had who had the power to do that when they were on earth? Enoch. 
and they strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. In verse 7, when they complete their testimony, the beast or the Antichrist that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lay in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is, is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where the Lord was crucified. Verse 9, and, and for three and a half days, all the people, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. No one will be allowed to bury them. Here's a really cool thing to think about. Like if this, because if this, there's some people who believe that this happened very shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. There's are so that believe that Jesus has come back and we're in this weird, weird period, okay? And, but if this was true, th- th- we wouldn't have had the capabilities for, er- for all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations to be able to s- view their bodies. But if you think about it now, you, th- you have CNN, you have Fox News, you have these TV stations that, that can, you, anyway, that's side note. And f- so no one will be allowed to bury them. Verse 10 says, all the people who belong to, his wor- to, belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other the other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had who had tormented them verse 11 but after three and a half days god breathed life into them because listen the people who are believers in god are already in heaven right now they're already raptured away so now it's time for them to join their people Uh, it stood up so they stood up you imagine being like watching this dead body like oh yeah and all of a sudden they just like burpee up you know weird (laughs) oh my god zombie Sorry. Terror struck all who were staring at them. Verse 12. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, Come up here. Come on home, baby. And they, and they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. Look at me now. Uh-huh. I don't even know how the rest of that song goes. So, Yeah, there you go. How do you like me? All right. So here's, here's the, great, the reason that Eli, Elijah, Elijah and Enoch was taken into heaven because God needed them for a future event that brings in the ushering in of the kingdom of God on the earth. And so with what we just read, them dying and coming back to life like the rest of us will, um, it puts them back, it makes the Bible uniformed of saying it's appointed a man wants to die because now they're dead and they rose back to life like the rest of us are going to heaven. All right? Does that make sense? All right. Here's another fun one while we're in Revelation. Okay, here's the next question. If you take the mark of the beast, can you be forgiven? Woo! You're getting deep, Derek. Yeah, this one's a little scary. Okay. Oh, no, he's going to talk about 666. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. And this is a really interesting question, especially in the season that we're in. Right? You're like, what do you mean, Derek? Well, the conversation about going to a cashless system. You're like, Derek, don't, don't. This is one of those weird things. You know, those conspiracy theory people are talking about this. Uh, well, just hear me out, okay? Because uh, I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of guy, okay? I'm not. But this is important for us to pay attention to, okay? So to answer the question... If you were to take the mark of the beast, can you be forgiven? With the cashless system that they're trying to put into place now, which would include putting a chip in your hand or in your forehead to buy or sell anything, to buy and sell everything, is a little scary. Because, I'm just going to just read it to you. Let's just read it to you right here. Okay. 
And then I'll explain a little bit here in a second. So Revelations 13, 16, it says, He required everyone, he meaning the Antichrist, required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without the mark, that which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Verse 18, wisdom is, wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Okay? So you can't buy or sell anything unless you have this mark. Okay? Verse 9, I mean, Revelations 14, 9 says, Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worshiped the beast and his statue, or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand, must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. And verse 11 says, The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. The beast they have worshipped, for they have worshipped, I lost my place, the, be the beast and his statue, and have accepted the mark of his name. Okay, so they're already that passage says if you accept this mark and worship him you'll be rejected from heaven okay next one next passage of revelation 15 1 whoever asked this question i appreciate you asking it i mean it's good to just think about revelation 15 1 when i saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance seven angels were holding the seven last plagues which would bring god's wrath to completion verse 2 i saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire and on it stood the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statues and the, number, and the number representing his name. They were all holding harps that God had given them. So those who did not receive the mark of the beast were standing before God worshiping. Okay. Revelation 16.2 says, so, the first, angel, so the, the first angel left the temple and poured out the bowl on the earth. And horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had, who had the mark of the beast who worshiped his statues. And Revelation 24 says, And I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue or accepted his mark on the forehead or, their fo or, their, or on their hands. They all came to life again. They reigned, they, they all came to life again. They reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So, to answer the question, Will you, will you, can you be forgiven after receiving the mark of the beast? No. Okay? According to what that says. Okay? But here's the great news for us as believers. Is that we'll be gone. Okay? So as much as they talk about the cashless system, as much as they talk about putting chips in people to do whatever, if that's real or not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going there. But one day it will be real. And when that becomes mandatory, the church will already be gone. That's why it's important for us as believers to go seek out those rebels like us. To get, to, for them to be ready before all this happens. So that they don't have to put into question. Because the only way, according to what we see in Revelation and read a little bit in Daniel, when that time comes, when all this takes place, um, the only way to be forgiven by God is to not worship the beast or accept the, uh, or accept the mark of the beast. Okay, because the grace era is gone. Okay?
I, w- I should have put a fun one after this one, just to make it a little bit, okay. But here, here's the question that's been asked. I'm at the end of the, like, at the end of this, if you have any questions about anything else, just come find me, and I'll do my best to answer it, okay, on the spot. Ooh, that'd be weird. Um, here's the next question, okay. And this is a question that's been asked all throughout history. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the, and they also put kids on there, good people and kids. Um, and this, this is a question that no, nobody's going to answer correctly, but then we have to ask the question, well, who is good? Because you remember that story when Jesus was asked by a young, a young guy, he said, good teacher, how must one inherit eternal life? Which is a great question. Well, Jesus didn't answer that question. He said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Okay? But I regress. And here's what I, here's what I want to say. Ever since the fall of man, the heart of man has been evil. Like ever since sin was introduced in the world, our heart's been corrupted. You with me? That's why the Bible, Jeremiah would say your heart is deceitful above reproach. That's why you, when I'm just going with my heart. Don't go with your heart. It's deceitful, y'all. You know, why do you, how do you know you love him? Because my heart tells me. Yeah, well, that's the first issue. Okay? <laughs> Don't listen to your heart. Your heart is deceitful above reproach. What man can cure it, it actually says. Okay? I love him with all my heart. Well, then you don't love him very much. Because <laughs> your heart lies. Uh, all right. Shouldn't have drank that monster energy drink. So ever since the fall of man, the, the man's been evil, and, and sin has not done humanity well. Well, like you can even um, at, you can even ask this question this day: If we serve a loving God, why do bad things happen to people? Good people, like if God's so good, why do bad things happen to? Because that's really what the question is, right? So then you have to put in the argument of, okay, well then, if God doesn't exist because bad things happen to good people, then does that mean you don't exist because you're not doing anything for those people that things are going bad for? You know what I'm saying? So that logic. It's, it's what's called a fallacy, okay? But why do bad things happen to good people? And that's because our heart is deceitful. It's above reproach. Anything that's gone bad in all of humanity has been by the cause of a sinful man's heart, right? Everything around us, including me, were in this state of decay. You and I are decaying rapidly because of sin, and because of that sin's effect on us, our heart's decaying, our emotions are decaying. That's why we can't trust anything. The evil around us is, is a sin problem. The reason bad things happen is because of sin. That's why Paul would write to our, our friend Paul would write to, us, write to us and our friends at the church at Rome. He would say, and since we are children, we are his heirs. Who's his? Jesus, as children of God, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Because oftentimes you hear pastors say, we are the children of God, we're heirs, everything's going to be great. You don't have nothing to worry about. And then life happens and preachers get called liars. Because they don't share the part that says, and we must also share in his suffering. 
verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Just because your call is delayed does not mean it's denied. Well, what, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he revealed to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal his, who his children really are. Against, it, against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Like one, there's a day coming where all the bad things that happen to good people, it will be wiped away forever. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up, right up to this present moment. Like even creation itself, the earth itself, is, long, is wishing that the bad things that are happening to good people, bad things that are happening to it will quit. Verse 23. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, next week, as a, for, as a foretaste, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait eagerly, we too wait eagerly with hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies and that bodies he has promised us we were given this hope when we were saved if we were if we already have something if we already have something we don't need it to need it to hope for right that's why that's why the bad things that happen to us it gives us it gives us a little a little drive to get to the point where we get what God's promised right it's kind of like, you know, um, fishing a little bit. If you, know, if you want to cheat a little bit, you know, you, you drop some food down in the water. Or drop, well, what I like to do is I like putting a light in the water. And, th and that get the minnows swimming around the light. And those fish, the fish see those minnows swimming around the light. And they come get a taste of what's about to be on a hook. You know what I'm saying? We were given this hope for if we already have something, we don't need, need to hope for it. That's, we just, that's why we get a little taste. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we, ha we must wait patiently and confidently. Like one day there's going to be a day. One day there's going to be a day when all the bad things that's happening to you, all the bad things that's happening to me, all the bad things that's happening in this world will end. And I'm praying, Lord Jesus, come quick. Because it says, because it says this, and this is God, you know, he talks about wait, having confidence. In John, in John 16, it says, I have told you these things. And what Jesus is saying is, I told you all this bad things are going to happen to you. All this bad stuff's going to happen, this suffering is going to take place, right? I've told you all these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have already overcome it. The things that we suffer with today are things that he's already overcome, right? That's why if you as, a, you as a believer, this life is the worst it will ever be for you. The things that you experience here on this earth are the worst thing that you'll ever experience, ever. 
But if you're not a believer in here this morning, this world that you're facing right now is the best it will ever be for you. As believers, this life is the worst it will ever be for us. But if you're not a believer, this is the best it will ever be. So let's change that. Okay? Hope that makes sense. And here's the last question. This is the, this is, I'm going to say, don't, don't put it up there yet. I'm, I'm just going to say this right now. No matter what I say on this next question, there's going to be somebody mad. I'm just telling you. But I'm telling you, no matter if you're on the left or the right or you're in the middle, there's only one way that we should answer this as believers. Okay? So here's the question. How should the church respond to the tension in our current culture? It's a tough one. See the dilemma it puts me in? Because I have people that are in this room right now that would find themselves over here. And I have people in this room that find themselves on this side of the aisle. And I am sick and tired of people's opinions that are different than what the Bible says they are. No matter if you're over here or if you're over here or you're somewhere in the middle. If your opinion doesn't line up with what, as a believer, as a, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if your opinion doesn't line up with Scripture, then you're wrong. Period. It's like, I can take a butter knife right now. Because too often, um, too often I see people who who I admire as believers, make posts on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'm not on Snapchat, but I'm sure it's there. Okay. People that are follow, like followers of Jesus and they post some of the most ridiculous things. How, how should the church... Okay. So, what, how, how, how should the church respond? Here's what the Bible says. In Micah 6 eight, it says this, The Lord God has to told us what is right and what, it, what he demands. See that justice is done. So how do we see what justice is done? When we see something wrong taking place, we make sure it's taken care of. We fix what has gone wrong. We take whatever steps it means. Even, even if it makes you look like a fool to everyone else, you do whatever it takes to make sure justice is done. So whether that be... That, that might mean that you might have to sit down with people that aren't like you. I, I, I've said this before. Like if everybody in your contacts on your phone is just like you, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, if they're just like you, then you need to broaden, broaden your scope of who, who you hang out with. Make sure just, that justice is done. Make sure justice is done. And I love this next one. Let mercy be your first concern. That's not being right. It's not about being right. You, your opinion may be right, but the Bible says, let mercy. That means when somebody has a different opinion than you, your approach should be mercy. When somebody that's on the other side of the aisle from you is hurting, you extend mercy because that's what God did for you. When you are totally opposite of who he is, he says, let mercy 
like I treated you with mercy. Be your first concern. Because listen, y'all, we have brothers and sisters on the, other side of the, uh, on the other side of the aisle from us who are hurting and broken, no matter if, you're, if your opinion is different than them, no matter how real or how not real it is. They're hurting and broken, and God says the first thing that we should do is extend mercy. Make sure justice is done, but treat everyone with mercy. Sit down and listen to their stories. And listen, if you're disagreeing with what I'm saying, it's just right there. You got to talk to Micah and Jesus about that. And humbly obey your God. You know, and let me just say this, and I'm just, let me just be honest with you guys, okay? Um, there's things that me as a person, I don't understand. I don't get, because of who I am and the culture that I was raised up in. But it's not fair for somebody like me to say what somebody else is experiencing is not true. Because that's not what Jesus calls me to do. He calls me to sit down and have mercy and listen, make sure justice is done, and walk humbly before God. See, um, I know I talk about what I get to do at school a lot, but a lot of what I get to do at school a lot revolves around this exact question. Because there are disparities that we... Like, I can tell you from a school standpoint, there are disparities. Like, the, I had a behavioral team meeting this week with people, and we looked at the data from last year. And there are disparities that, that so it is a real thing from data. Now, does this group over here do everything right? No. Does this group over here do everything right? No. But we have got to come together somehow fix the justice problem. Fix, I mean, I see it. It's part of my job to try to fix it at school. And it's hard, y'all. It takes people like me, people like you, and people on the other side of the aisle just to sit down. Let's have a conversation on what we can do. It. So, answer the question, what's the church's response? Open your door to people that aren't like you. You know, you know that story in the Bible where he, the guy, the rich guy, prepares, uh, prepares a feast, and, he, and he, all the friends that he invites declines because they had to like go try out their new house, or they try to go out and oh, mom, I got some new clothes, I need some new clothes, whatever the, the story goes. And then he tells his servants, he said, he says, go into the streets and find people that aren't like me, and set them around our table, and just have mercy and have conversations, talk. Hey, if you don't understand, ask. I have, the great, I have the great privilege to be able to talk to people who aren't like me all the time in a school system and in my family. And sometimes it makes me a little nervous. But nothing's going to change until we come together and seek out justice, love mercifully, and humbly walk with our God. And if your opinion 
is different than what Micah just said, or say this, what God told Micah to write down, then your opinion is wrong. That's all I, that's all I can say on that. You with me? Okay. I wish there was another funny question right here. There's a lot, a lot of things, but there's not. So here's the thing. There's, here's how I want to end this. This series, and if you haven't got to be here in the past and listen to it, I encourage you, you you can now watch it or listen to it through our website, okay? And here's here's the thing. Go back and listen to it. And one day, my hope in this series was that it a little bit. The faith that when our mistakes, when our mistakes start to rise, like for example, when our, our mistakes start to rise up above God's call in our life that we can look back and go you know what Satan that narrative you're trying to play in my head no God has actually turned that around he's redeemed that he's repurposed that and for some of you in this room this morning you need the mistakes in your life repurposed and redeemed and listen you're still going to have some crazy questions on this you're still going to have some crazy questions but today your life could change forever for some of us in this room we've held in anger for way too long and we've asked ourselves if God's a loving God why do bad things happen to people like me I'm a good guy and Jesus is going you gotta let that go listen you're gonna face some stuff in your life you're gonna go through things in your life and it's it's gonna make you angry but you can't stay angry it's okay to be a little mad it's okay, to get, it's okay to let that 8 to 13 year old boy be mad for a minute. It's okay for you to be whatever and be mad for a minute. But we can't stay in that anger. We gotta let it go. Maybe some of you are in here, you've made some bad decisions in your life and you've questioned, your question may be, does God really care? Or does God love me enough? And the cross tells us he does. Is how many of your mistakes are future sins when Christ went to the cross? All of them, baby. That means he knew how screwed up I would be and you would be. He knew that our hearts would be deceitful. And guess what? He still chose to make a way. He, he knew those doubting questions that you have right now. Those questions, those questions of doubt that you have. He knew you would have those anyways. And guess what? He still chose to do. Even if you were asking for a friend, even though it was your question. He still chose to make a way for you. Guess what he did for all those Republicans that are on this side of the aisle that we just talked about? Guess what? He knew how screwed up they would be, and he still made a way for them to get them. Hey, all these Democrats on this side of the stage. Guess what? He knew how screwed up they would be, and he still made a way. All those Libertarians, I don't even know where they all would be out on the stage. He still made a way. Was it, was it, I don't know why this just cut part of my head. Was it JFK that says, Let's, uh, let us stop seeking the Republican or the Democratic answer? That's a whole different story. No matter where you stand, he knew how screwed up you and I would be. If you were that man on the island who's never heard the gospel, or if you were born on a church pew, he, he knew how screwed up you would be, and he still went to the cross. And to answer the final question ever, how do you in, inherit eternal life? that way so I don't know what 
what your question is here this morning or if maybe you got, were too nervous to turn any of your questions in over the last few weeks. But here's what I can tell you is God's got your answer. He's just asking you to seek him and find it. Jesus is the question, y'all. What can he do in you today that you didn't expect? Because our God is a God of the impossible. And he can change your heart. And he, if he's changed my heart. Everybody good? The God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. And thank you that you're a God, that you're okay with questions. That when we have questions, we can come to you and we can say, God, I don't understand this. Can you help me? And God will go, here's the answer. God, I'm praying for the hearts in this room right now. Maybe they're a little tense. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're, maybe they're here and they, they, they need redeeming. And God, I just pray that you stop them where they are and just say, God, to read just reach them to stop stop their train of thought God and just say I'm here to redeem the mistakes that you've made the cross tells you that God I pray for I pray for I pray for the life in here that maybe maybe they they were followers of you but then they started started falling away and they're 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 questioning God some things that they're seeing in the world right now and God I'm praying that you give them courage and strength to know that you are in control and one day you're going to bust that sky wide open and you're going to call your children home and, and we're going to rise to meet you. We're going to worship you for thousands and millions and forevers. Thank you that this is the worst life will ever be for me. Because one day I'm going to step into your throne. A new person, a new body with a six pack. Looking good. Because of your grace on me today, the taste of the Holy Spirit I have today will get, is going to get me to heaven to stand before your throne and say, welcome home, my good and faithful, even though you had questions, faithful servant. And I pray all this in your name.